So, um, where was I? Oh, let me. Re okay, here we go. Recording in progress. So, First Thessalonians chapter one. Um, well, before we begin, I just want to say uh, I'm glad that um, uh, welcome everyone, and I'm glad that you're able to make it. Um, it's a delight. It's a, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to join together um, once again. <clears throat> and I trust that the Lord will use this time to speak to us, to encourage us, to uplift our hearts, um, to edify us in the faith. Um, so with that said, um, I want to encourage us to give our attention um, to this time, to the message. Uh, the reason why I say that, and I have to remind us, is because the devil is a conniver. Um, his, his minions, the, the demons, <clears throat> are bent on deceiving you, deceiving us. And that can be accomplished through different purposes, uh, th through different ways. He can deceive, he can uh, distract, he can discourage, he can cause you to fall into despair. Um, and so let, let us not be ignorant of his devices. Um, understand that there's, acti there's satanic activity um, at the times you least expect it. We think that because we're hearing the word that we're going to be exempt from any form of um, attacks, um, but that's not true. And so understand that Satan is after the seed, um, like we see in the parable of the sower and the soils, right? What happened when the seed was cast upon ground? Satan was there present, attempting to snatch, he snatched away in one of the cases, the seed that had fallen on the soil, right? And what did that represent? It represented them that heard the word, but did not understand. And so whether Satan will get you to not understand, see, you can be hearing and not really hearing. You can be, you can be, uh, uh, listening, but not really come to the grips of a full understanding or a hearing. This is why Jesus says you can hear and not hear, see, but not perceive. Um, because it doesn't enter into the spirit man. It can enter into your head, but it's not entering into the, the inner man. And, and the Bible says that the engrafted word of God can save your soul. And so I want to say this to urge you um, because there is something, let me say this, otherworldly about our meetings. Not exclusively our meetings, but whenever God is present, there is something otherworldly about this meeting. You, under, you must understand <coughs> that this is um, sacred time. It's not sacred because I am here or anything like that. The sacred, what makes it sacred is that this is uh, set apart unto the Lord. In fact, the Greek word hagias, uh, which where we get the, the, the noun saint, in it, its verb form means to set apart, to set aside as holy. 
to set it aside as unique or other, like unique and peculiar. Well, what distinguishes our meetings from a mere public lecture is the fact that this has been set aside unto the Lord as holy. As holy. And this is why we um, ought to revere the Lord in that regard, because whenever you find an absence of reverence, you either it is not a sacred gathering or the people that are hosting it have a lack of an awareness or a disregard for that which is holy. Do you understand that? This is why those who, um, well, let me give you an example. Those who, um, for example, Esau, his birthright, there was something um, uh, um, important and, and significant about his birthright, and yet he sells his birthright for a bowl of beans. Okay, now what does the Bible describe Esau to be in the book of Hebrews? It describes him to be a fornicator. It describes him to be one who was profane. <clears throat> Why? Because he treated that which was holy and sacred as common. See, uh, we, we might ha we have a total misconception of what we think of as holy. We think of Holy is speaking Elizabethan English and saying, Oh, thou majestic one, highest in the, you know, the, <laughs> but that's not what, uh, that's not what holy is. See, this, this is why, I'm sorry, I just have to make this correction. So many Christian today, Christians today are so religious that they think just because you're rough or you're blunt or you're frank, or you might even uh, uh, not be so kind. You're very direct with people. And they think that you're not holy. No, no, you got it wrong. You can be lacking in kindness and be holy. I'm not advocating an absence of kindness, but what I'm saying is you can be, be rough on the edges, rough in the area of kindness, rough in the area of gentleness, rough in certain areas in these traits and still be a holy man and a holy woman. Why? Because you regard God and His Word and His ways as sacred. And you will dare not lay your hand against that which is holy. Because I, I, no, I, I fear God. I can't do that. No way. Let, let me even say this, you can probably punch someone in the chin and still be a holy man. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that it's not sinful. I'm not saying none of that. But but there are people that are spiritual. Once the presence of God comes, they check their heart. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, man, God, forgive me. I, I revere you. I, I, I don't want to sin against you. What does that say about that individual? They value those things which God esteems. Amen. And so, but some of the most unholy people are the most kind, have the biggest smiles, will even give in charities and donate their time to homeless missions. I'm not, I'm not saying those things are wrong. Those things are good. But in my experience, that's some of the most Jezebelic form of 
controlling, manipulative, passive-aggressive, unholy, cantankerous, so-called Christians that are just interested in, in putting on a front, on a facade, but they're really not about revering the Lord. But look at look at Esau's brother. What did he do? He was a manipulator. He was a deceiver. But nonetheless, he valued that birthright. Ah, that's where we begin to see those who are holy. Even they are rough on the edges. They have bad backgrounds. You know, they they've messed up. They 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 you know they have come across some you know some pretty difficult straits. And, and don't have the best of resumes. But one thing is for certain is that they, they love God and they revere Him. And they fear His word. But nonetheless, um, <clears throat> let us... Um, I just want to say I'm not advocating all that I've said. You know, I just want, I want to qualify that and say, look, you know, that doesn't mean that we get to punch people in the face or lack in kindness, obviously... You know, that's what the Bible lays out for us for, you know, characteristics for which we must strive. Um, but I say it as a hope for those of us that may be discouraged, like, man, my character isn't completely ironed out just yet. Well, be encouraged because you may very well still be a spiritual and holy person. You're set apart. <coughs> so... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um uh, let, let us um let us pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. And I thank you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus for this meeting, for this gathering. Lord, I ask of you, God, right now, Lord, for you to come with your presence. For you to come with your power, to come with your anointing. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips. Father, I pray that you would give me insight into your word. That you would give me insight, Lord God, into your holy scriptures. Um, Father, that you would give me power, Lord. That you would use me as a conduit, as a vessel to proclaim your word, Lord. I, I don't want to come in mere zeal or mere passion, with an absence of your presence and an absence of your power. Father, I pray that there would be a, a presence of, of your character, of, of yourself, Lord. Your, the very, your very Holy Spirit would be with us, Lord, in our midst, God. Father, I pray that you wouldn't stand at the door and knock at the door of our hearts, Lord, and we refuse to let you in, though we, though we sing about you and talk about you. Father, I pray that you would um, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I pray, God, that I would not proclaim in arrogance, but I would proclaim with, with absolute purity and reverence of who you are and your character, Lord, and absolute reverence. God, I pray that it would discern our hearts, our motives, that it would judge the intents and motives of our hearts. It would give us clarity and wisdom and Correct us and reprove us and if necessary, Lord, rebuke us. But Father, also encouragement and edification and education, impartation, consolation. 
Father, I pray for all of this, Lord. Your word says that if I ask anything in your name with believing, I shall receive. So, Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. And, Father, I pray, God, that you would remove every distraction. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would lift us up, God, that you would build up our spirit, man, you would build up our stature, that you would build up, Lord, our inner man, so that we be able to walk in maturity and in all the fullness of the will of God. Father, grant revelation to the hearers, that they may be able to see, that they may be able to hear, God, and I pray, Lord, that they would not show a lack of value for your word, they would not goof off, they would... They would settle their hearts to learn and to sow into their destiny, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, I pray. Hallelujah. Come against every stronghold, every mental stronghold, Lord. Every emotional stronghold, God, I pray that you would break it with the hammer of your word. That the fire of your word, Lord God, would disintegrate and burn up all dross, would burn up all character flaws will burn up all lust, will burn up pride, will burn up arrogance, will burn it up, God. It will sever and crack every satanic stronghold that the devil tried to directly or indirectly try to enact in our minds and in our lives, God. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that the devil's hand would be broken. And Lord, that you, your spirit would be given liberty and freedom, Lord God, by your people to do what you want to do, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, by the blood of, all, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we pray that you seal these prayers. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the Lord's presence. I'm so thankful for for God for God right right along with with um holiness as a term godliness these are all you might think of you know righteousness holiness godliness are all the same terms but they that they amount to saying the same thing and in one sense yes but in another sense no they're more nuanced. They're more. They're they're specific terms to give you specific ideas. And godliness means that you are with God. You you have God. You, you know God. To be godless, what does that mean? It's in the very word godless. <clears throat> it's kind of like the term prayerless. Doesn't even it doesn't even amount to you lacking in prayer. It 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 in in its original intent it amounts to saying you're without it. Right? So if you're godless, that means you're without God. You don't know God. And sadly there's a lot of people in church today that they they know religion. They know about God, but they don't know God. You know, I remember listening to an interview by Ravenhill. And he said these, you know, these people would travel, you know, long distance just to get a pocket of time to meet with him, to pick his brain. And, you know, the first thing he would do is point his finger. And he says, do you know God? He says, and he says he had one instance where these two guys says, well, we know our Greek and Hebrew. He says, I didn't ask you that. He says, I asked you, do you know God? You know, you can lack in knowledge of the word and know God intimately. 
So that does, our our knowledge, the intimacy that we have with God, isn't based off an IQ test or whether or not we we've passed some theological test at some cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> but um, that isn't a discouragement for us to get to know the Word more. But let me tell you this: you can know the book without knowing the author. And you can know the author and lack a full understanding of the book. But we want both in the perfect and ideal world. So with that said, <clears throat> we want I want to read us I want to read through a through the text as much as we can. We're not going to get through all of 1 Thessalonians. And so this will encourage us to know the book more. In fact, the word the Bible comes from um, the Greek word, Greek words ton biblion. And ton is just the definite article. And um, I believe it's accusative form. And it's the word the. And biblion is accusative form for the word book. So it's the book. Um, that's actually not accurate. It should be called the books. Because there's 66 of them. You get what I'm saying? But that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> but as we let, let us read, so First Thessalonians chapter one, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. You know, I I, I just want to stop there. This is just an injective uh, injecting thought here. Hold on. Says my internet's unstable. Let me know if if it's cutting in and out. Then I'll switch to my phone. <clears throat> um, I I just thought I I think this is cool that Paul was a um this um a missionary essentially to Europe in some some fashion, right? Um, Thessalon uh, Thessalonians, I believe, is modern day Greece, right? Modern uh, that that was ancient Greece. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but he says, "Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, <coughs> your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus uh, Christ." So I just want to stop there, and the reason why I'm doing this is for us to survey the Bible and see what's in there. Um, I understand that it's actually very, uh, it's uh, many times, sadly, it's a common thing that we don't read through the Bible. And sometimes, if I can correct our way of reading the Bible, we treat it as if it's some form of magic book. We just extrap, you know, extrapolate these texts from the scriptures out of its context and say, Ooh, here's another promise that applies to me. And we can get into some danger there and misunderstand what the Bible's actually intending to communicate to us. Right? We have to ask the who, the what, the when, the where's, the why's, the how's. And some people get upset at this point and throw up their hands and say, that's that sort of theology nonsense. But you can't do Bible reading without theology. Theology is just simply a study of God. That's what the word means. Theos is the word, Greek word God, and ology means the study of. And so it, theology is the study of God. And how is it that we can come to know God 
we can come to know of his ways more through his holy word. Right? But we have to ask those questions because if we don't, we're going to lead we're going to lead ourselves to these false conclusions. And this is precisely why you have an abundance of denominations all over the streets. It's very common. You have many abominations, I mean denominations. <laughs> Um, but what I appreciate here is <clears throat> how Paul is saying, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention our prayers. You know, so th- this is characteristic of him. This is characteristic of Paul. That Peter says, you know, we, we will not uh, wait tables. That's not our objective. That's not our task. We're going to give ourselves continually to the word of God in prayer. You know, I, I read in one book, and I love it. He says, you know, we're no longer tarrying in the upper room. We're feasting in the supper room. That's what a lot of ministers are doing today. They have no interest in prayer when it should be their business. You know, Paul didn't, you know, offer these sloppy two-minute prayers uh, for the, the entire body of Christ. And I say that with disdain and, and contempt and, and a disapproval because I understand. Here's the reason why. I understand how glorious the presence of God is and I understand how precious the church is. People are precious and the Satan is after to attack you night and day. You get that? And he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's out to rob you of your joy. He's out to rob you of your peace. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to uh, uh, wreak havoc in your life. And so if there is an absence of this vehicle of prayer, you can be assured that the devil will get his way in your life. You know, the Bible doesn't use the word prayerlessness. That's a term that we have invented. It is I. There is no neutrality. Either you're prayerful or you're fainting. Those are the only two terms the Bible gives you to use. Either you're fainting because there is an absence of prayer or you're filled with fuel by the vehicle of prayer. And so Paul understands that this is the way of the master. Why, how do you think Jesus did all that he did? The Bible says in the book, in the Gospel of Luke, that he had gone in the power of the Spirit, but that was preceded by his praying to the Father all night. Amen? Amen. What do you think that all Amen. those wicked witches and warlocks do? They invoke these, they, they, they give themselves to these incantations and infuse themselves with the presence of the demoniac. How do you think these cartels get all their drugs from Mexico over here to California successfully and being able to do it successfully for many years without getting caught? Do you think it's because they're so that they're they're wiser than the average person yet many times they are, but they are giving themselves to the occult and they're infusing themselves with demonic knowledge that may not have otherwise been given to them save by that 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 uh, avenue of communicating with the demons right so how do you suppose that we are able to carry out our task without coming to the living God? 
It, th there's no hope. There's no possibility. And I, I, I know that this annoys some of you in the flesh because it, it demands of you. It ta it's taxing on your life. Oh, here I got to go again. I don't got a freedom of my choice to just do whatever I want. I got to inquire of the Lord. I got to seek His presence. I got to seek His face. I got to come to the throne of grace yet again to press in. And many times God will remain silent and not give you an answer. And yet you're going to have to be uh, resolved within your heart to say, am I going to be tempted to just get off of this waiting seat because it's too difficult to be patient and then just bless my myself or am I going to wait on the living God for him to exalt me in due time but ambition will lead uh, uh, so many people even in the church in the name of Jesus Christ to do what thou will to do whatever you want you know it, it's <clears throat> see FD, FDA has greater standards than you you're just, you know, you know, you just allow everything to go on the conveyor belt off onto the approval basket without examination, without checking. And this isn't to condemn anybody. You know, uh, David says in Psalm 130, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, who could stand? Thank God he doesn't mark our iniquities. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve us, according to Psalm 103. For he knows how we're formed and fashioned, that we are just dust. But we learn from these things and we stop it. We don't, we don't continue in it. And some of us, you know, I was listening to Jordan Peterson. He was talking this thing about narcissists. There's something called the dark triad. They're, they're, they're you know... Let me just throw this a little bit this uh, on you. It's a little off subject, and forgive me if you're disinterested in hearing stuff like this. But I think it's valuable. Something called a dark triad, and it, a dark triad is composed of psychopathy, of of um, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. And Machiavellianism is this sort of front that you're you you desire to be reciprocal with someone. It, like this mutual, you give, you scratch my back, I scratch yours in the political sphere, but you're just interested in yourself so that after you got what you want, you strategize and you don't return your, your, your deal, right? And then he talks about narcissism where it's this strong love of self. And psychopathy is a lack of empathy. It's where we get the word psychotic, Okay. But he, he was talking about how those who have this sort of dark triad, this sort of character trait, uh, uh, um, they tend to be those who um, lack, the, because of their lack of empathy for others, they lack empathy for themselves. So that's why punishment is not sufficient to deter them and to change and modify their behavior. This is why people who get locked up in prison never change. Because they don't even got empathy for themselves in many cases. And so he was talking about the only thing that motivates them to change their behavior is an incentive for reward. Because narcissists are always involved and care for self. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Forgive me, I, I lost my train of thought. Um, no, you're speaking to me. <laughs> 
I, I forgot where I was going with that. And let me let me just throw this out there because you know, Lord, um, He already made it clear to me that I, I should be talking uh, here soon about relationships. But um, one of the things that had been pointed out, and I say this to their sisters here, um, it's it's an interesting psych, psychological reality. But it tends to be the case that young sisters. Uh, uh, not sisters, young women tend to be interested in these sort of men. Uh, not not every woman, but they at at times tend to be interested in them. Um, and it isn't until they mature that they lose interest in those in those sort of men because they're attracted to this form of disagreeableness and 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 risk and stuff like that. That's why you can't make sense of somehow these younger girls. They're 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 falling for these deadbeat trashy men you don't understand why why do you keep going back to this abuser well that's the reason why because it's a form of pride they want to tame the untamable because it's a reward to their own belt to say haha i tamed a beast and so i say that because you got it, sisters be aware of this disposition because it might exist in you and you need to sanctify and crucify it you wonder why you're always attracted to to deadbeat, trashy men. Their sagging pants and their bold-looking haircuts. And I'm, I'm saying this because I hate this culture. It's a mockery to God. And you think it's cute. Ooh, it's not cute. Because when children get involved in the equation, what happens as a result? Amen. Man. You're going to allow a narcissist to raise your children? A psychopath who lacks empathy? Jesus is the standard. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, he's speaking with jealousy right now. And he's giving some of you a spanking. Get your eyes off trashy men. There's many good men that will bend over backwards to be a strong support system for your family. But they don't look like the, the what's personified and glorified by these uh, trashy standards and all these you know, Kim Kardashian, Jezebelic, and Ahab's out in this world. Preach. God is jealous for your sanctity. God is jealous for you, your purity. Thank you, Jesus. So, <clears throat> um, it's not cute. We, we need to stop glorifying this culture. Because what, what's happening is, is that we, we are giving our, our, our women over to these, these narcissists. And what happens is now there's a fatherlessness because those people have no integrity, no backbone, no charity, no love, no sacrifice to be able to stay within the thick of the difficulty of that relationship. 
to be able to, to do the difficult work of raising kids, dying to self, denying himself. And you will, you will essentially tie a millstone around your child's neck. If you follow through with these deadbeat men. And I know I'm hard because I can, I can say that. Because Jesus cares about children. Especially when you, if you want to get pregnant. You're, you're involving not only yourself. You get that. Not involving yourself anymore. It's not games. Amen. Flirtation will lead you down a route that you didn't intend on traveling. It it, it it will it revoke payment from you. It will demand payment, and you can't swipe your credit card no longer. You got to pay up. <clears throat> so, um. But Paul, but prayer is Paul's business here, and he says, <coughs> "Your labor prompted prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. See, we're not interested in playing with words." We're not philosophers here on Mars Hill. We're not in Athens, you know, concocting word salads to present to these, you know, philosophers. And, you know, we stand there all looking pompous and important, you know, kind of going like this with our chin. And, you know, and, and I think, therefore, I am. And, you know, that sort of, um, it's useless. But here's the three, here's the reason why I say that is because it has infiltrated the church. You know, we, we love doing, you know, I had recently some guy on Facebook because they were teaming up on a, on a friend of mine who believes in the gifts and these guys were attacking the gifts. So I had to refute them. And, well, I didn't have to, but I, because my friend was in the thick of, the, you know, them coming against him, you know, I wanted to confound them and I don't typically engage in that stuff. I very seldom do that. Um, but on a very rare occasions, I do. And so then they started private messaging me saying, hey, do you want to come on our podcast and do a formal debate? I'm like, no, it's a waste of time. I'm not interested in a debates of God's word. I'm, in, I'm interested in the demonstration of the spirit and power. No. You can keep <clears throat> you can keep splitting hairs and talking about, you know, inspecting with the mic, you know, uh, 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 um, a microscope, yeah, a, a lens or a microscope in the Word, and you know what does it say in the original Hebrew? What's the etymology and all this? While people are dying off of heroin, you get what I'm saying? I don't got time for that stuff. Amen. And how many times are we as Christians tempted to debate? Not because we're interested in educating someone, but because we don't want to look like we're a coward if we back down from the debate, like we don't know what we're talking about. Or maybe because we just want to bash a, a Mormon. So we're so eager to talk to the Mormon, but we're not interested in talking to the dope addict. Because the dope addict can't tell you Bible, right? So you see how prejudiced people can be. But I told them I'm not interested in this stuff. I don't got time for that. 
I really don't. And I don't think none of us should have time for that stuff either. And But I say that because <clears throat> Paul says, I didn't come with you just with words. I came with you in power. But what do we see today? We see a lot of the cessationists, right? We see that they come with no power. They don't believe in the gifts. See, this is this is what you fail to understand. Cessationism, for those of you that don't know what that is, they are those who don't believe in the gifts. They don't believe in tongues. <clears throat> they don't believe in prophets. They don't believe in healing of the sick. They don't believe in casting out demons. Um, they don't believe any of that. And... Um, See, what you got to understand is that as Antichrist. You know why it's Antichrist? Because the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointing. And any doctrine that undercuts the anointing and the power of God is Antichrist. Amen. So they may even preach a Jesus who was crucified on the cross for your sins, but if it amounts to you living a powerless life, guess who's applauding? The devil. Let's just get them to keep debating. Keep looking in the Greek. Keep looking in the Hebrew. Keep reading books. Let, let's make them scholars. Oh, I know. Let's make them scholars. Let them get a fat head with a shrunken soul and no power. That's what the devil wants for you. That's what You know why? Because people will remain in the church and demons will refuse to be cast out. They don't, they're not threatened by that. Because such people have no eyes to see and to be able to do, uh, detect the demoniac. And I'm not saying this to be uh, in pride, but I'm saying this because we must be aware of this stuff. There's a lot of these people on YouTube. But their services are dry. It, it, and, and so I, I want to urge you, be zealous about this. Be adamant about this. Be steadfast, immovable. I don't care how good of a game someone talks. If they do not come in power, what will it profit? It says in Hebrews chapter 2, it says that, that the word of the Lord came through the apostles bearing signs and wonders and miracles and gifts according to the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Amen? Amen. But we want to play with the Word of God and play ping-pong and act as if it's not holy. We just want to keep you know, ping-ponging back and forth. No, this is my view. That's my view. Or what about this? And, and it's ever learning and ever coming to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. <clears throat> That's why I think it's really important to focus on some of these down and out people that have actually taken risks in their life. The, some of these gang members, drug addicts, people from the occult, people who you know were prostitutes or sensual or whatever. I'm not saying that God can't save other people, but I'm saying it's typically people who've actually gone through stuff like that. And I know there's exceptions. People, great Christians growing up in Christian homes, have gone to universities. I understand that absolutely. Amen. 100%. But all I'm saying is there's typically a, this common thread of people that are the down announce the rejects of society they haven't even passed the high school diploma they don't even really know very much they're, they're they're naive or they're dumb in the head or whatever and god saves them and marvelously changes their lives and they're willing to go all out and witness the power of god amen amen chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise 
Not many of you, this, and I can back it up with Bible, Paul says, not many of you, my brethren, according to the world's standards, were wise, noble, or, uh, you know, of, of great lineage. Not many of you. What is he saying? Most of you, you, you were hardheads. You, you know, you, you, you were rough, or you came from some, you know, crazy backgrounds. Or... <clears throat> but nevertheless, he says, I came to you with the Holy Spirit in deep conviction. In other words, the Holy Spirit is moving so powerfully that you know that the words that Paul was submitting to them wasn't from man. It was from God. He's not talking about necessarily conviction of sin, but a conviction. I am convinced that this is in fact the truth. This is a man speaking by the words of Almighty God. Right? So he, he's continuing. He says, we know this because this was the result. He says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given you by the Holy Spirit. This is what I appreciate about Paul. He says, you became imitators of us in that you've endured and you've received the word even in the face of suffering. So Paul isn't speaking from his lofty, you know, ivory tower, being fed grapes and you know, speaking down to these common folk as if he can't relate to them. He says, I've been imprisoned. He says, I've been shipwrecked. I've been flogged, fasting, you know, sleepless days and sleepless nights. He says, and above all this, my concern for the church. So he's speaking to those that are suffering. They're suffering from those religious Jews who know not God, and it says, and we will see later, it says, they're filling up their sins to the uttermost, and they're preventing Gentiles from being saved. He says, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. But he, uh, he is going through suffering himself. And so Paul, he's not, he's not encouraging them to do stuff he himself hasn't done. You know, I remember when um, I had to go through this mandated, like, um, it was mandated by probation and the courts when I was a minor to go through drug counseling. And I remember, I don't know why, they, they always had these people who, and I appreciate their heart, I appreciate them reaching out, I, I get it. Um, <clears throat> but there is a lack of connection that they gave with us these people who had this textbook knowledge but never did drugs themselves. And the common thing that we would say is like, why are you trying to lecture us? You haven't even gone through it. And we weren't even trying to be insulting. It's just that you can't relate to us. You get what I'm saying? But Paul is not speaking from that position. He's speaking from a position where he's able to relate with them. And let me say this. Some of the most effective ministry is when you're going to be able to relate with others. When you're so distant, you're so estranged, and you don't know what people are talking about, sometimes your attempt to uh, educate them or comfort them will actually be a disadvantage. This is exactly what Job's friends did when uh, they tried to comfort him. They were silent for the seven, first seven days, and they would have done well to remain silent. But once they began to give them a quick diagnosis for why he's suffering and all this other stuff, Job responds, he says, you are worthless physicians. Have you guys ever had that? Those people haven't gone through the things you were gone through, and you kind of sought for comfort, and then they just gave you a quick diagnosis, a little can-cure 
for whatever it is that you were going through. And it was like, you know, never mind. I just, I'm, I regret I even asked you. Just stop. Amen. Never mind. Let's just forget we had this whole conversation. And that's how it can be sometimes. Because people want to know not only what you know. There's a famous statement. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But as we continue on, this is what uh, uh, Paul begins to say. Um, You became imitators of us. And he says, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia that the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So, in other words, these people become an example because they're enduring suffering. And see, you know, here's the thing. Some of you want to get so far to where your resume can't keep you. See, some of you want to go places, but your resume for all that you've done is not enough to get you to where you want to go. And you're thinking, I should be further than where I am or, or whatever. But you have to put in the grunt work. You have to have a consistent track record in history of having endured some things. To be able to say with weight and authority what you need to say or what you need to do. And, and they're suffering, and, and so they become an example to the rest of the believers. Let me ask you this, are you an example to the rest of the believers? I'm not saying a perfect example, but are you nonetheless a good example in some area? Can, can, can Paul write of the same thing of us? Saying you've suffered and, and you've endured, and therefore you have become an example to the surrounding churches. But how many people are there that become a poor example for the surrounding churches? Carl Lance is one of them, the fake uh, Hillsong pastor. What, drinking at clubs with Justin Bieber? You know, taking taking uh, pictures with his shirt off where, where you can see, you know, like he has it below his waistline, his pants. What does that say? You know, it's it's sad, man. It's sad. You know, I don't I don't know how many, you know, let me say this respectfully. How many women there are on social media that will post Bible verses but they will look and dress like a Jezebel. intentionally how many men are there that will intentionally post things that look and appear seductive and yet post you know you get what i'm saying you got to be careful with that stuff 
because people won't take you seriously. And when you're honest and you look in the mirror, you know that you don't take yourself seriously. You know, so clean clean that up. You know, if if that is us, and I hope that, you know, none of that applies to us. But, you know, I've, I've seen it, especially, you know, there's so many women out there that do that stuff. And I'm like, sis, you know, I, don't, I keep it, I say it in my head, but like, what are you doing? Why do you do that? You know, it's better not even to go the route and start posting Bible verses if you're going to do that. Because it can really send a confusing message. But the church here at Thessalonica, they were they were examples. They were examples. And so, but what's an encouragement is it's not that our example saves us, but we're saved, therefore we want to be an example. Right? This great love wherewith we have been loved, we want to be able to express our love to God in return. But he says, you turn from God to, you turn from idols to serve the living God. Those those false idols that could not save. Those false idols that brought you sorrow. All those false gods, you know when you were serving those demons? Those of you that were smoking drugs, you were doing witchcraft. Those of you that, you know, were were, uh, proud and arrogant, that was a sin of, of idolatry, it says, according to 1 Samuel. You serve it. You serving these false gods. You're serving money, or serving yourself, or serving your image, serving your body. <clears throat> but notice right here it says, "But you you're continuing in hope because you're hoping for the salvation for Jesus to come. He saves us from the wrath to come. You've turned from these false idols to serve the living and true God." You know, it's 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 black or white. You can't serve the God of Mammon and, the, and God Himself. When I was going into the juvenile halls, you know, there was a lot of kids. They would look emotional and all this stuff. You know, act. You know, um, they would want prayer and stuff because some of them are you're going to face a lot of time going to prison. So they're 16 years old. They they know they're going to the big house with OGs and shot callers and guys in their 30s built. You know what I mean? They're, they're intimidated. And rightly so. And so they would feel emotional. But many of them weren't even willing to, to uh, count the cost. And, and, and they would say, you know, what must I do? Renounce Crip. Renounce blood. Renounce Northanios. Renounce all that stuff. And do it publicly and profess Christ. That's what you must do to be saved. Amen. This is what John says. You who stole still no longer restore all that you've taken. It comes at a cost. There was a, a, a man some years back that we were discipling. He was a he was a northerner, was a gang member. For those of you that don't know, and he had gone to the shot caller himself and says, "I'm not this anymore. I'm turning to Jesus." And he and he was around all his other old homies, and they could have had him killed right there. But he counted the cost and says, you know what? Me going to Jesus is much more valuable than me saving my life and being cast to hell. Amen. Wow, amen. 
This is what Jesus says, Fear not them who can only destroy his body, and after that can do no more, but fear him that can destroy both soul and body and cast it into hell. <coughs> it's serious business. God means business. Jesus means business. He wasn't half-stepping when he was dying on the cross and he was crucified for your sins and mine. I love that yeah. song. There is no greater love. There is no greater love. It says, They hung him high, they stretched him wide. He hung there dead, for me he died. That's love. God so loved the world, but more than just loving the world, he loved me. Paul says, he says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. He gave your, his life, it says that he knows his sheep by name. He personally died for you, all your sins. And the ones that you've committed, he knew that you would commit after you would come to him. And you would fail, and you would relapse, and you would fall, and you would collapse. But yet the love of the Savior reached down into the darkness of your sin. And it wasn't the nails that hung him and kept him on the cross. It was his love for you and I that kept him there. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He saved you from the wrath of God. You know, it says in Isaiah that I will trample them in my anger and I will splatter their blood on my garments. That's the furious wrath of God and that's the uh, wrath that Jesus saved you and I from. Hallelujah. Amen. He was crushed for my iniquities. He was bruised for my transgressions. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Hallelujah was crushed into a thousand pieces. The Father did not relent. He did not refuse for that axe to come down upon His Son so that He might save you and I and spare our blood. And more than sparing us from the wrath of God, we are now enjoined to Him as co-heirs with Christ and will receive a glorious inheritance and reign with Him as our enemies are placed underneath our footstool. Underneath his footstool. And Satan is crushed underneath our feet. Glory to the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world for your sin and mine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. This This is why they renounced these idols. They could not save. Those idols demanded that the prophets of Baal cut themselves and shed their own blood and they won't even be heard. But let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. The God who answers by fire, let him be God. You know, I was hearing a wonderful testimony of of John Ramirez, how he was into witchcraft and stuff like this and certain witches would try to hex him and cast spells on him and all this other stuff and he said he you know he says uh, in prayer he would return it back and their altars would disintegrate by an actual fire in some cases he said in some cases it boomeranged back to them and they had gone mentally insane their own witchcraft turned against them 
because they begin to lay their hands against a child of God. That's the God I serve. He's mighty in battle. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. It says that you will be blessed in your going in and you're coming out that you, that you will uh, uh, pursue them and they will flee seven ways. Amen. Somebody, am I, am I preaching the Bible or, or, am I, or what's going on? Because this, this is gospel Amen. truth and it's for your benefit. It's for our encouragement. Hallelujah. Don't tell me I'm preaching these Mormons again. You guys got to repent, man. All these backslidings to Mormonism. Come on. <laughs> you know, they, they asked, and I'm not at all implying this to be, you know, true for you all. <coughs> But they asked Leonard Ravenhill, this lady asked Leonard Ravenhill, said, uh, do you ever pray for uh, dead people? He says, no, I preach to them each Sunday. <laughs> Please, I don't want to be preaching to dead people. Come on. <laughs> and it says, let all that has breath praise the Lord. Clap, all ye peoples. Shout, all ye peoples. You know, <clears throat> the, you know I, uh, that testimony I was listening to last night. <clears throat> it was uh, John Ramirez, and he was talking about. He was someone asked him a question. They asked him, "When you were in Satanism, he says, were you concerned at all about the average church?" He says, "No." He says, "What was your perspective about them?" He says, "They were morgues. They weren't even on my radar." He called them cupcake Christians. Cupcake. Gummy bear Christians, what have you. But it's all sugar. There's no power. There's no, no anointing. No presence. You get what I'm saying? Amen. Satan is not worried about more than half of the churches. And this isn't said in pride. It's said with uh, sorrow. Because God isn't in the midst. <clears throat> God isn't in the midst. You know, I know I've shared my testimony on on, on some occasions, but I, I I think I might have shared this testimony. But uh, <clears throat> there was one instance where I was going to a church, um, uh, where the church that I got saved in, and um, and um, well, I was not in connection with these pastors but they had a call one night and the reason why I know this is because one of the pastors there ended up pastoring me some years later and um, so he told me this testimony and they were present and there was about four men they were going to cast a demon out of this person they're slithering on the ground and all this stuff horrific manifestations <clears throat> and um, well my, my former pastor told me he said uh you know, as as we got to know each other, he said, "Brother," he says, "You know, one night, um, I and three other men had gone to cast out a demon." He says, "Would you believe that this demon?" And I wasn't even present; I was a baby Christian. But he says that demon said, "Do you know Greg Chacon? Call my first and last name out." He says, "He's one of them. He's a lover of God. He's one of them," and started mocking and and started blaspheming my first and last name. I was like, "Wow." And, and, and I had, you know, another occasion where a demon called my name out. 
Um, so I know this stuff is real. And I say that not to, I don't say that in pompous, but I say that it, believe me when I tell you that if you do the things that, that, that is being submitted here, you're going to be on hell's hit list. It's not, it's not, it's no game. <clears throat> and believe me when I tell you that there are many churches that the devil doesn't fear. Because this this isn't the sole rule of faith. It's about traditions. It's about powerlessness. It's about programs. It's about psychology and not, not Holy Spirit. <coughs> but chap, let, let's go to chapter 2. We'll, we'll come to a close here. I wanted to get around to more. But it says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So, everywhere Paul is going, he's facing opposition, man. He's facing it in Philippi. He's facing it in Thessalonica. So what does this say about Paul? Is he motivated by selfish ambition? Is he motivated to get some wonderful, you know, comfortable ministry he's not interested in that he's interested in he loves these Thessalonians and in fact in the book of Acts he re, he mentions the uh, Macedonia in the book of Acts he receives a call says come to come and help us he gets a vision Paul Paul is convinced utterly convinced that Jesus rose from the dead that is his anchor he says, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul becomes a blind man. He, 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 he's blind to the world now. Because he sees Jesus in truth. He sees the reality of heaven. He sees that men will forever suffer damnation. And men and women who come to Christ will ever, forever be enveloped in glory. There's no greater pursuit under heaven. There's no greater pursuit under the sun to be doing other than to be doing the Father's will. And this is what God had entrusted Paul to do. And so he's not motivated by selfish ambition. He's motivated by this fact that he loves God and he's willing to fill up the sufferings of Christ. For the sake of his body, the Bible says in Colossians. Let me, tell you, let me ask you this. Are you willing to fill up the sufferings of Christ? Or are we, are we only wanting to live a comfortable life? Are we only wanting to revert back to the position to where we're just living an indifferent life? We're coasting on like every other dwarf Christian. We have no stamina, no spiritual stature in the faith. But Paul, you know, he, he's not moved by any of this. He says his main ambition was this, that he fulfill the court, the ministry which has been given to him and fill his, fulfill his course with joy. That he might run the race and obtain the prize. Are you and I competing like those that are winning, uh, willing to win the prize? Are we competing according to the athletic rules? Or are we just making up rules as we're going, kind of like these transgenders, they're biologically males, get a little bit of sex change, and somehow become a woman that can enter into women's athletes, a women's sports? They're making up rules. They don't want to obey. 
But we have rules, and the rules are here in Scripture. He says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. <laughs> On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. <clears throat> so Paul is not interested in manipulation. He's not interested in tactics. He's not interested in making a name for himself. He's not interested in any of this. And, and you'd be surprised how much of this actually goes on. Right? See, see, <clears throat> hold on. When the, when the presence of God is not present, then you have to keep manipulating and finessing to get people to buy in. This is why people have to integrate entertainment in the house of God. Entertainment. And I believe it with all my heart, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Or no, we we can just keep entertaining ourselves to death in God's house and think that the Holy Spirit is there. <clears throat> but here, here's the thing. And, and I say this because the Lord is going to put people in your path and God is going to test your heart. And are you going to convey the truth of the gospel? Or are you going to retract from telling them the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I might lose my friends. I might lose, you know, my mother. I, I, I might lose my relationship with my siblings. But you have to count the cost. Are we willing to go that far? <clears throat> but I love them. I don't want to lose them. No, you don't love them because you're willing to see them to go to, go to hell. Right? It doesn't mean that you got to be arrogant in your delivery. But you think about it. My brothers and sisters, when you think about eternity, how long is that? It's forever. It's forever. God help us. God help us. It's a shattering thought. It's a thought that that is terrible. It's, it's horrible. But we got We don't want to be false teachers. We don't want to we don't want to speak falsely on behalf of the Lord. Amen. In fact, um you know, it says right. Uh, I, I want to just quickly turn there. Actually, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter seven, it says, <clears throat> "Watch out for false prophets as well as false teachers. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit." A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. <clears throat> you know, it's sad to see, you know, Paul comes in love. 
Paul comes in love and, and comes in the true gospel, comes with his spiritual resume, and yet you find these churches that are resistant to him. And they're accepting false apostles, like the church at Corinth. And he says, if I love you more, are you going to love me less? And you'd be surprised, my brothers and sisters, how many people there are today in the congregation that are genuinely saved, that are entertaining false teachers. They're entertaining, and I'm not a false teacher hunter, I'm not a, a witch hunter, I'm not one of those guys. But we have to be aware that Jesus says the deception is so great that even if possible would deceive the elect. Right? So they're very sly in how they want to get into to, to your head and they want to get into your hearts and begin to manipulate you. That's why if you've ever been corrected, and let me let me just I'm not beating around the bush. I have no 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 reason to finesse or anything. If I have ever corrected any of you, which some of you I have, it's for a reason. And what is the devil going to do? It's going to incite your heart to say, Ah, you're a grown person. You can just do what you want. Who are you to... You don't have to listen to anybody. You can make your own decisions. You can, you can, you can go on the path of liberty. You don't need anybody. You're grown. You, you know the Bible. Yes, but you know what? Even the Apostle Peter fell into hypocrisy and Barnabas was led astray along with his hypocrisy and needed Paul the Apostle to rebuke him to his face. What more do you want than that you've walked with Jesus for three years and you preached on the day of Pentecost? You raised dead people out of their graves. What more do you want to your resume and yet the devil can still deceive you? You and I are not that good. That is how great the deception is. If you're rebuked or reproved or corrected, the devil's immediately going to incite your heart to say, I don't need to, I don't need to listen. I got this. Do you? Do we? Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've warned someone and I said, you need to change that. And not long after they backslid. Oh, let me, let me, let me share a personal one with you. Brother, that sister isn't for you. Sister, that brother isn't for you. You see how quickly they'll manifest like a demon. And they get angry at you. They say, I don't want to hear this. But I, I, I let, 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 me, let me just be personal here. Can I do that? Before I got married, my pastor told me, brother, that sister ain't for you. You know what I did? Cut it off instantly. As a young man in my early 20s, or at 19 years old, rather. Cut it off. Because flesh isn't worth my destiny. 
A female Amen. is not worth my destiny. Amen. My life isn't worth my destiny. I'd rather die before I receive dishonor. I'd rather shed my blood than bring dishonor to Christ. I want those honorable words, my good and faithful servant, well done. Amen. I don't want to be kicked out of the race. I want to obtain the prize, man. I've gone too far for me to go back now. I've gone way too far. There is no going back. I can't put my hand on the plow and look back, man. And neither can you. Jesus has invested His blood into you. Jesus invested His Holy Spirit into you. You're not sinning against the law of Moses. You're not sinning against some prophet. You'd be sinning against the one who died and gave His life for you and I. That's whom we're sinning against. He gave His life. And oh, how we run to flesh out the flesh and carnality. And he whose arms are pierced, in, pierced reaches out to you and says, Son, daughter, forsake that. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> oh, the weight of God's presence is convicting some of you. You can try to dodge it or do whatever, but there's no dodging His Word. And forgive me, I, 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 it's hard for me to keep preaching hard messages. I Just flowing with the Spirit. But He wants you to be a beautiful edifice, a beautiful temple constructed with costly pure uh, pearls and costly precious stones and gold and silver. He doesn't want you to be some ran down shack that is nothing more than a dunghill. And that's what sin does. We hear Paul saying, if I love you more, are you going to love me less? And I will say this, I will bear my heart as, as a spiritual father. I, I love you. So if I love you more, are you going to love me less? If I correct you, are you going to say, Oh man, I don't want to hear this stuff. Forget these TED Talk sermons. I'm bearing my soul to you. So I don't want to see anybody relapse. Oh man, it brings devastation. <clears throat> it brings devastation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, God. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help your people. Help your people, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel your presence, O oh Lord. Continue to move, Lord. Continue to move in this place and move upon the hearts of your people. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit just moving, man. The weight of God's presence is in this place. The weight of God's presence. Some of you need to stop asking, how much can I get away with and it not be sin? Forget that. I don't want to ask whether it's sin. I want to ask, will it cause me to burn more for Christ? Will it cause me to burn more for Jesus? And there's some there's some of you right now the Holy Spirit is is convicting you saying to give certain stuff up to give people up to give dreams and careers up because it's not conducive to your calling But look at what Paul, look at the love that Paul had. He says, I'm writing of these false teachers for whom I'm in tears. I weep. Right? There was someone that reached out to me recently on Instagram Asking me a question. I don't know why people ask me questions and when they get the answer, they refute the question. It's like, what what do you want me to say? What'd you, what'd you, I don't get it. Now I was warning this person, like, if you go through with this, just don't say that I didn't tell you so. Um, <clears throat> but, the word of God is plain and it's true. The difficulty is in understanding what it says, but rather the difficulty comes down to obeying. But we're coming to a close. We'll just finish up here. <clears throat> he says, you know, you know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were li- like little children among you. So here's the thing. You know when people are seeking for the praise of men, they're not seeking for the praise of God. And so if you guys want to know another reason why men like uh, Stephen Furtick and guys like that, and I say this respectfully, the reason why people like that are disqualified because they love the praise of men. And wherever you find the ambition for the praise of men, you find an absence of the Holy Spirit. Because God will not honor that. He will not honor that. His presence will abandon you. He won't won't, let you do whatever you want. Moses says, I don't want to go unless your presence goes with us. But if you're looking for the praise of God, you can be assured that God's blessing will be all over that. And let me tell you this, if you're wondering, is this God's blessing? The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So if it's bringing you sorrow, how are you so sure that it's God? So the Holy Spirit is going to bring you sorrow. 
for some blessing he gave you? I don't think so. Oh, pastor, uh, you know, I got blessed with this this wonderful girl. We we even have Bible studies. We even read the scriptures. We'll even listen to Paul Washer. Can you believe it? That's not impressive. You're showing that you're a hearer of the word. You are hearers of the word, but you're not doing it. I don't care if you've gone to some conference or whether you studied the Greek or whether you listened to Paul Washer together. It matters nothing if God has said no. You can slap whatever religion or Christianity that you want to it. You know, this is why the Lord told me I, I couldn't be a cop. I try to rationalize, say, well, I'm going to be advocating for justice. Lord, I'll be putting a lot of way, a lot of prison, a lot of criminals away. This could be for your kingdom, but it's just slapping his name on it. But it's not done in him and for him and by him. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so he's saying here. He says, "Look," and and he's he's saying, "Look, we're not we're not seeking for the praise of men." You know, it's interesting to me how us you know whether singers or whether preachers or whatever it is that we go into ministry looking for the praise of men or even if you're working for someone you're out of your job and you're looking for praise what does jesus say you have your reward in full that's all you get and many times you don't even get that i remember when i uh, when i was skate back in the day We would call people eyeballers. Whenever they would land the trick and they would look who was looking. We'd be like, eyeballer, eyeballer. <laughs> Basically, like, you ain't getting no props from us. Stop doing that. You care too much about people's opinion. It just discredited you, no matter how great your trick was. But with those who had their head down... Uh, what we would do instead of clapping would smack our skateboards on the ground as a form of clapping. If you care about too much uh, people's opinion, people just they don't like that because people find narcissism and self-love repulsive. They will repel you, even if you got something to offer. Amen. <clears throat> If if you go up with your head up, you'll come down with your head down. If you go up with your head down, you'll come down with your head up. So it's a posture of humility. But Paul, he doesn't care about the praise of men. That's why he won't flatter you and and give you a little theological foot rub. Say, oh, good Christian, you can do what you want. Ooh, you like that right there. And I know I'm being facetious here, but I hope that you get the point. That's what it amounts to. But let me ask you this question. Do we really respect people like that? I don't. I don't like people buttering me up. Just tell me the truth, man. Don't be insulting. Don't be a jerk. But just tell me the truth. 
That's, that's all I want to know. I, I don't know. Do I mean, do you guys like that? I, I hope not. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you do. Maybe you, you, It's like you're willing to be told something that they don't even believe. Your hair looks nice today. <laughs> you little cheesy fake <laughs> smile. Oh, <laughs> I love your nails. Right? How do the girls do at the little nail salons or whatever? Oh, they look so pretty. And you know, you're like, girl, you're lying out your teeth. Liar. You Jezebel. <laughs> For real, I don't know. I just like, you know, like Sister Noemi, she's just very frank and very blunt. <laughs> As she pointed Kezra on the telegram, what's up with your nails? Sister Noemi is cool. She just don't even care. I just tell you. <laughs> hey, well, you know, you know, you know what's on her mind. <laughs> there ain't no beating around the bush. You don't got to guess about it. You don't got to read into her mind. Wonder if what you know what she meant really was. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's just the plain truth. You know, like I can respect people like that. Just, just let me know what's up. That's what Paul is doing. He's just letting you know what's up. <clears throat> and we'll just read the rest of chapter 2. And he says, look, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Oh, and he says, we don't use our apostle. Uh, the, he asserted our authority. So in other words, what he's talking about there, he's saying, you know, Jesus says that it's it's the, the just wages for an apostle to receive from the Lord. Uh, receive from those whom he preaches to uh, wages. He says, those who labor in the word, he says, bestow upon them double honor. What he was talking about is finances. And in the case of the Thessalonians and in the church of Corinth, he says, we didn't want to, we didn't, well, the church of Corinth was accusing Paul of smooching. So he says, you know what? I'm not going to allow you to rob me of this boast. Um, if you're going to believe these false apostles and I'm smooching off you and all this stuff, just keep your money. I I'm not in it for that. You know. But he, he says, we didn't make demands as the apostles of Christ. And that's what he means. He's saying, we didn't take the money that was owed us. He says, because if we sold into you spiritual blessings, was it too much to ask for material blessings? This is the word of God. This all I'm, I'm just going through the text. Um, but he says, you know what? We, we didn't do all that. And in fact, we labored instead because we didn't want you to be able to say stuff like that. Um, he didn't do that for every church, but he did that for the church of Thessalonians and the church at Corinth. <clears throat> he says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Look at the love that Paul had. He bears his heart. He's not just trying to preach at you. There's many preachers that will just want to preach at you. But they're not willing to bear their soul. They're not willing to, you know, give their lives. Not willing. They don't weep. I posted something on my Facebook and I said, you know what? Some of the most moving statements that's ever been told to me is I wept for you in prayer. 
Because you know why? Because it shows me it's something far much more than duty for this person. I don't want your Christian duty. If you're doing something for me out of Christian duty, just keep it. I don't, no matter what it is, if you feel like you gotta preach to me, you gotta encourage me, just encourage yourself. I want people that actually weep for me. Right? I mean, doesn't that move us? Like, I wept for you in prayer. I, I love you so much that I bore my soul to God for you. Even in those times where you don't got faith for yourself and you can't even pray for yourself, knowing that someone's shedding tears for you is beyond the description of words. <clears throat> he says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. <laughs> so he's treating them as father, as a father does his own children. He isn't some pompous pope who walks around in some majestic robe who wants you to kiss his hand. He's, he's laboring as a father and as a nurse that cherishes children. And so we'll, we'll stop. We'll just read this last part and we'll close. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God, churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So in other words... These Jews don't want them to be preaching the word of God to these Gentiles. And so they're facing opposition from these guys. And so is the church of Thessalonica. And as you see in the following chapters, Paul is concerned as a father, as a nursing, uh, as a nurse, nursing the, the children, that, that, that these sufferings that they're suffering is going to move them in the faith. So he says, we long to, to see you and, 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 to make um, to receive report of your faith that you're, you're standing steadfast. Okay, so um, with that said, I I want I want to close with this. Um, <clears throat> what is the report that we have? Are we standing steadfast in the faith? Are we standing steadfast as Satan opposes us and comes in opposition to us? Or will we be like Paul's fear? Will we succumb to the fear that Paul had for the Thessalonians? He says, I feared that after we've labored among you, that the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. So in other words, you've, you've succumbed. You you came to the devil's schemes. You you you've you've uh you've tapped out. You're no longer laboring. You're no longer walking in hope. You've relapsed. Or are we going to continue forward in the faith? Are we going to keep pressing? 
Are we going to allow the Word of God to be our anchor during these times? <clears throat> so, may the Lord give you grace. May the Lord give you strength. Because your devil, the adversary, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking to devour you. And he can do this directly or indirectly. So we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. <clears throat> but... um. Yes. So keep keep your guard, and that's that's what I want to leave us leave us with. Is um, see, because the Pharisees and guys like that, these Jews, they come came against these Thessalonians, and be be advised, be aware that the devil is going to send people your way to come against you, to try to move you in the faith, and you're going to be tempted to think it's nothing more than the natural when it's everything but just natural. It is supernatural. It is demonic. And the devil will bring those. Uh, see, here's the thing. You understand this too. <clears throat> the devil tried to prevent the Thessalonians to hear the word of God and to find reception for Paul. This is why Paul says, time and time again, we tried to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Right? And so what will the devil do? He will hinder you from hearing the word of the God. Every your phone's gonna go off. I can't tell you how many times I'm doing this thing and then my phone goes off and tries to interrupt stuff like that or unstable. My internet's never unstable, only until I come on Zoom. Or you might hear a bunch of stuff in the background, your neighbors fighting, or people crawling for your attention. Do you think that's just coincidence? Or do you think the devil is scoping you out? And, and let me let me say this and in some cases is probably that person that you wanted to hear from so long for like a whole month and say and you're so eager to answer the call and it's during zoom but they never wanted to give you the uh, time nor hour in any other day but you get what i'm saying or if you're about to get into the word of god or you're about to pray then everything else is screaming for your attention So let, let us uh, let us close in prayer. Recording stop.